So this is a Reflections episode. What is it about this podcast that I felt was important? Uh, why did I'm, why am I even doing this? Uh, no one's really forcing me. I started in the context of the pandemic. Like many of you, I found myself having to work from home and I wanted to spend a bit more time going deeper into certain topics and certain issues. This came in a certain context, of course. It came after uh, I experienced and witnessed and documented the October uprising in Lebanon uh, last year, October 2019. So far, I've released 50 episodes. From now on, I will try and keep it to roughly one episode a week. Sometimes it will be a bit more, so maybe there might be two episodes in a week, but on average, it will be one episode a week. The reason for that is to sort of allow myself the time to research further topics that I may not be as familiar with. In terms of countries, it does vary quite a bit, and you have a number of episodes that aren't really about any one country, although we might focus on certain countries. For example, there is an episode with Chuck Derry uh, called The Risks of Psychologizing Patriarchal Oppression, and we sort of focused on Lebanon and the US, where he's from, and so I'm from Lebanon, of course, but it isn't really about Lebanon or about the US, it's about masculinity and patriarchy, so this kind of applies a bit everywhere. And you have certain other topics like, you know, uh, disinformation, post-truth, and what to do about them with uh, Peter Pomerantsev that focuses on Russia, the US, a bit of the UK, and so on. But again, it's not really just about them. It's about the concept of disinformation. How does it work? Why is it that successful? And what can we do about it? And then you have some episodes that focus on uh, a specific topic or a specific country at a specific moment. So there is an episode with Timo Azhari on Lebanon's deep crisis explained. This was released uh, before the August explosion, so that is a certain that is a context that needs to be taken into consideration when listening to it. Many of these episodes end up having sort of an archival value. It's something that I feel people can, in five years, uh, listen to and still find something important to learn from. An example of that is Wafa Mustafa's episode on her father Ali Mustafa, his disappearance in Syria his forced disappearance in Syria, I should say. You know, this is something that if one day Mr. Ali is released, hopefully that happens, it's still an episode that is worth listening to. It doesn't stop if uh, the end of that story, if you want, is a good one. It's about how a daughter is able to focus her life on her dad's cause and the cause of her dad in itself, which is not, uh, to put it very mildly, an easy thing to do. And so you would have episodes like hers, and then you would have other episodes like the one I had with Ziad Majid, reflecting on the legacy of Samir Asir on the date when Samir Asir was assassinated, which happened to be my birthday. And we kind of talk about this and how, you know, what it meant to be 14 when he was assassinated and so on. There is, this in itself is like, so it's 15 years on since uh, Samir Asir was assassinated. You sort of have like a temporal mark, if you see what I mean, but this will still be relevant in 15 years. We might have another episode in 15 years, who knows? And then you have other episodes that are more kind of abstract. So you have uh, Lina Munzer speaking about the Lebanese revolution. I had two episodes with Lina, but I'm talking about the first one here, which is entitled On Primo Levi, the Lebanese revolution and life in the midst of history. So it's about the Lebanese revolution, but it's not just about the Lebanese revolution. We speak about Primo Levi, of course, the Italian Holocaust survivor and polemicist and writer and essayist and so on. And similarly, the episode with Salim Haddad is not just about uh, his life in Lisbon, but also about about his, uh, the influence that the Portuguese writer Fernando Pessoa has had on his life. So the episodes are local but also global. They're personal but also political. That's kind of by design, of course. This is something that I'm actively trying to get at in, uh, I wouldn't say all of the episodes, but most of them. 
when I try to speak with someone, it's, I don't necessarily agree with that person. Uh, of course, I have an internal bias, and so I would uh, look for people that I already appreciate or whose work I find valuable. Uh, we all do that, you know, to different extents. But that's not really the primary reason why I have them on. I have them on because I either think that they have something to say, which is very important. And then that thing could be just something that's important about them personally or about their work or both. It could be a cause that they really value. It could be a, a moment in their lives that has really changed them and that therefore is worth talking about, you know? That's kind of it. It's still vague. I really apologize for this. I don't know how to make it less vague. I'm kind of still working on it. But this sort of brings me to the other thing I wanted to talk about, which is that this podcast is entirely self-run. I, I do everything, really. So I, I, I host it, I edit it, I research for it, I try and advertise, which I tend not to be very good at. Uh, and so you will definitely see a, a difference between the first few episodes and the last episodes. And that's simply because, you know, uh, in the past few months, I've started to learn on how to make this better, how to make the sound better. But over the past few months, really, the more I've been doing this, the more I've also enjoyed it. But at the same time, the more I started realizing the, the toll it takes, right? Um, 50 episodes in roughly six, seven months is not easy it really isn't easy some episodes i feel could have needed a bit more research other episodes probably maybe could have been a bit shorter other probably could have should have been a bit longer those are processes that uh, you sort of end up figuring it out as you go along really of course i have also been influenced and i've used other podcasts to learn from you know there are many many podcasts that i i listen to the reason why i'm doing one is because i also enjoy the format so i listen to many of them as well on that i should say that like in the monthly newsletter that i release on hummus for thought i also include like recommended podcasts uh, from now on it will be five recommended podcasts uh, a month uh, which comes out every the newsletter comes out on the first sunday of every month so there's a lot I want to get into. I really hope this is something that you're interested in. If not, that's honestly fine. I can't appeal to everyone, so that's fine. So I'm starting a number of projects and I'm continuing existing projects. Projects that I'm continuing are the two obvious ones, I guess, for those who know me, uh, The Fire These Times, which is the podcast, and Hamas for Thought. Hamas for Thought is a blog that I launched with a friend at the end of 2011, uh, very much in the context of the Arab Spring at the time. And its intended purpose at the time was to just focus on, so one of my early obsession, if you want, is the Kafala system and the movement to abolish it in Lebanon. I also focused quite a bit on LGBTQ rights in Lebanon and women's rights in Lebanon as well. Uh, but as well, you know, refugee rights, it kind of all of these topics that in a patriarchal capitalist society, they tend to be overlooked obviously sort of by design then over the years it sort of developed developed into something else i think i got a bit too addicted to social media to facebook especially at the time and the blog switched from having a facebook page to being the facebook page and i think that by the time i quit facebook i deleted it a couple of years ago i had sort of taken all of that energy down with me I became dependent for the views uh, on the, you know, the articles I would publish on Hamas for Thought. The views would come through Facebook, and that's obviously a big problem because it's a, <laughs> to put it very mildly, extremely unethical corporation. I've had, I've been having ups and downs with social media. Now it's really mostly down. I've quit most social media, and the remaining one, which is Twitter, I've reduced it to the absolute minimum just to stay in touch with a few people that I wouldn't be in touch with otherwise. So. Let's put that aside for now. I'll, I'll probably have an episode on the issues with social media. Uh, I haven't decided on the guest yet, but it's a topic that I, I'm, I'm 
very concerned with. So probably talk about this at some point. So going back to Hamas for Thought, at, so when I deleted Facebook, I also deleted the Facebook page and the sort of the, the traffic that went to the website completely died. And I think what also died was sort of like the, the dopamine boost that one gets when being on social media. It's part of why it's so addictive, of course. And I ended up kind of losing the initial passion uh, that launched Hamas for Thought in the first place. So long story short, I sort of had to deal with that. And once when I figured out a balance or when I figured out a formula that might work for me is, is when I decided to to get back into it. So Hamas for Thought is back now. Right now, like as I'm recording this, it is only a newsletter. So once a month, I release a newsletter, the first Sunday of every month. This will continue on, hopefully, you know, for years and years to come. In that newsletter, I sort of do a number of things. I reflect on past articles, usually the articles that were published in the month before, but I also just recommend stuff. So all of the stuff that one might share on social media, you know, you listen to a podcast episode and you want to share it on Twitter and Facebook. I stopped doing that and instead I'm just sharing it through that newsletter. So you will have, you know, articles I've read recently, five recommended podcast episodes, uh, a monthly Lebanese uh, cinema recommendation, a monthly James Baldwin recommendation, uh, a monthly book recommendation, and uh, well, that's it so far. I might include things uh, further on. And then you'll have like miscellaneous stuff. Like if I've joined something that I feel is uh, worth talking about, I'll mention it. I might give a shout out to a certain NGO or a certain group or a certain mutual aid collective and whatnot that I feel needs to be talked about and so on. And that's it. You will only, if you subscribe to that newsletter, which you can just do by going on Hamas for Thought and finding that subscribe button, which is just on the page. Very easy to find. Just scroll down. You won't get more than one notification a month. That's really it. Until I start doing uh, what Hamas for Thought is supposed to be about now, which is uh, interviews. So these interviews uh, will be on Lebanon. I will be speaking to Lebanese, non-Lebanese. It doesn't really matter. It's with people who experience Lebanon or still experience Lebanon who have something to say about Lebanon, usually from angles that are not really focused on. So I may focus on intergenerational tensions. I may focus on sectarianism from different perspectives. I may focus on class solidarity, which is usually really frowned upon. I don't know if frowned upon is the word, but it's not easy to perform class solidarity, let's say. I will speak to migrant workers, to LGBTQ rights activists, to seasoned activists and young activists. And I will also speak with writers, with intellectuals, with artists, you know, singers, dancers, other. It will also come out once a month. So once I get this sort of up and running, it will probably come out on the first Sunday of every month. So you will have uh, two emails, one for the newsletter, one for the interview. I haven't really figured out the logistics of that yet, but the interviews would, all, would also be once a month. They will, they will be long form, so, you know, aiming for a few thousand words, and they will be bilingual in English and in Arabic. I have a good friend, uh, shout out to Elias Abujaude who is helping me uh, design that on the coding side because I have no idea how coding works and to me it's complete witchcraft. So that's Hamas for Thought. Now speaking about Fire These Times, I mean you're listening to it so <laughs> I'm assuming you know what it's about or if you don't, if this is the first time you listen to my pretty voice, hello uh, sahla, welcome to you. This is a podcast about a bit of everything really I, I, I'm still struggling to, de- to define it if you go on the website which is the fire this time uh, and the time is .me so it's the fire ti.me that's the website I try to be creative with that one I don't know if I, if I succeeded you will see that the episodes are a bit about everything as I just mentioned before uh, from Venezuela to Hong Kong from Hong Kong to Greece from Greece to Lebanon Lebanon to Syria Syria to Palestine uh, a bit about the US a bit about the UK and I will 
progressively continue to expand, uh, prioritizing first the countries and regions I'm more familiar with, but I will also try and, and sort of explore topics that I may not be as familiar with. And so you will sort of be learning at the same time as I'm learning. I should amend this by saying that I will be doing my research before every episode, of course, just to be also engaging. So those are the two main ones I'm focusing on right now. But that's not it really. There are two projects that are upcoming and a third one which is more long term. So the two projects that are coming are LebaneseCinema.com which exists, it's up and running but there's nothing really yet on it. And I mean as it sounds it's about Lebanese cinema. Its intended purpose is to just be a sort of database for people who are interested in Lebanese cinema. It's really that simple. And so I'll be putting recommended books, recommended articles, reviews, essays, reflections. I will be posting some interviews and here there'll be a bit of cross-posting between Hamas for Thought and LebaneseCinema.com because sometimes I will interview filmmakers and actors and whatnot on Hamas for Thought and so I'll just republish it there. But the, the main goal is to just be sort of database, a resource for people who want to explore Lebanese cinema. But it won't just be on Lebanese cinema, that will just be the focus. I will also be exploring uh, Turkish cinema, Israeli cinema, Palestinian cinema, Syrian cinema, and Iranian cinema. Those are the countries that I tend to focus on in my work, in my writing, and I consume in some ways the cultures of uh, of those countries, especially uh, anything related to cinema. Kind of an obsession of mine, if that is not obvious by now. So. That's LebaneseCinema.com and there, were, there should be content starting to be published on it uh, in the coming weeks. The other one is called Ecolaire. So Ecolaire started with a pun, which I'm actually very proud of. So it's Ecolaire, it's a French pun, l'ère de l'écologie, the era of ecology. And at the same time as Ecolaire, so E, anger, I guess, rage, colère is rage in French, whatever. And so the idea is, is we will be exploring the intersection between our digital worlds, very broadly speaking, everything related to the internet, social media, technology, the concrete manifestations of that, so the waste of technology, uh, how to make technology ethical, the ethics of social media, the ethics of the internet, even how to make a better internet, you know, that's the digital side. But uh, just as importantly, if not even more importantly, ecology. This project is with a friend of mine, Christophe Maroon, and and we will be launching it in also bilingual, so English and Arabic. It's not gonna really start uh, happening anytime soon. It's probably gonna take a few months to launch because, uh, well, money, we don't have it. So we're trying to fundraise. We're trying to, you know, make it more sustainable in the long run because we would like to pay contributors as well. It's not just for us. It's really so that we can pay contributors, pay illustrators, pay translators. The value of Ecolaire, or let me say about the eco stuff first. As I said, I'm not very good at this. We will be looking at anything related to the environmental question the our global the global climate emergency uh, preventing climate breakdown deforestation ocean uh, acidification species extinction the way we eat our dependency on meat the way we treat animals in general there will be some philosophical takes some ethical takes you know all of that and we will be looking at those two paths in some ways the ecology one and the digital one and we'll be trying to bring them together, find the intersection between them because there's quite a lot of intersection. And I'll just give you one example that is, I don't, I don't think it's talked about as much as it should be. If we're dealing with a global crisis that requires long-term thinking and that requires accepting that we may not see the benefits in some ways of our current actions for years, if not decades to come, how does that bode exactly with a social media or a media or an attention economy run 
world where it's really about immediacy. It's about the immediate dopamine takes that, uh, intakes that you get. It's about the immediate feedback that you get. It's about the shares and the likes and the comments and the, you know, all of that that are very, very quick, fast paced and have a tendency of doing quite a lot of damage uh, that are rarely, if ever, really dealt with. So that's a dilemma. It's a very, very urgent dilemma, actually. Uh, and that's one of the topics that we'll be exploring. It's a lot of things like that. There's also the another, I'll just mention another one, the risks of techno optimism kind of going too far. So you may know that uh, Silicon Valley companies tend to place themselves as the solution makers to the problems that they are also creating, right? So Facebook will say that the problem of Nazis and fake news and disinformation, there's just a problem that Facebook themselves can regulate and so they'll just have better algorithm, better AI tools, they will fine tune this here and there, but clearly it's not enough. And so we would need to be talking about the monopoly that corporations like Facebook and Apple and Microsoft and Google, of course, have on the world, the, the so-called big four. What does it mean that American companies whose priority is really an American audience have such a massive influence on the rest of the world when clearly they don't really have the knowledge, the know-how, and they don't even bother hiring the staff most of the time to even deal with those ethical questions. So this will have an impact, of course, on the environment because if you end up believing that everything will just be resolved with more technology, then I think you would be misunderstanding the urgency of what we're talking about today, which is about resolving the emergency right now, reducing carbon emissions right now, reducing deforestation right now. You know, it's about aiming for something that is not just idealistic, but actually urgent, actually concrete is something that we need to be doing. And so that's kind of a taster in some ways, right? And that's what we'll be doing with Ecolair. Uh, as I mentioned, it will be in English and Arabic. We will hope to have a pretty regular stream of information uh, coming out of it. Analysis, interviews, you know, we'll start with text-based content. Maybe at some point we'll explore video, but that's a different stage probably because it's not easy to do and it takes a lot of resources. That's it on that front. Now, the, th the other one that I mentioned, which will come later, is having a uh, video channel on the Fire These Times. So having a Defy These Times video channel as well to complement the podcast in some ways. This will take some time. It's not easy to do. It needs obviously uh, certain skills that I I currently do not have and I'm trying to well acquire them so I'm trying to learn but that's why it's kind of been very slow on that one it's actually been something that I've been wanting to do for years now but well yeah money and stuff the usual stuff that we kind of all have to deal with and I had to prioritize other things now that I'm feeling a bit more comfortable I'm slowly getting back into that mindset in some way so I'm trying to learn trying to pick up some skills I'm hoping that by sometime in 2021 maybe early 2021 hopefully I will at least release one video to kind of get us started in some ways so what will that channel be about thank you for asking Joey since I since Joey was about to forget to explain something very basic it will be about everything <laughs> the same kind of topics that you're seeing on the podcast I will explore them in video format as well there's a lot of things I'll be exploring again I'm hoping that I can ask you to have some faith in me because what I lack in explanation skills, I try and compensate with actual, like, doing shit skills. There will be a lot of episodes on topics that are not really explored at length. So if you think of uh, Pop Culture Detective, a YouTube channel that I quite like, and uh, I'm actually going to interview him soon on this podcast, it's a very similar format that I will be exploring. Uh, the topics will be also cultural studies, which is what he does. Uh, I will have some focus on like Lebanese cinema, for example. You know, like I will look at a concept that is explored or a common theme that is explored in Lebanese cinema. So trauma being an obvious one. And I will do a video essay of 20 minutes, half an hour, 
maybe longer, I'm not sure, in which I will explore a movie or 10 movies on from the archives of Lebanese cinema. So you can kind of see how they so, the projects sort of complement one another, right? So if I'm focusing on a certain filmmaker on LebaneseCinema.com, I may use that filmmaker, the movies that that filmmaker produced for the video content, right? And so they kind of complement one another, but this is gonna take some time. I just wanted to put it all out there in the mess that this episode was. Uh, if you've actually even listened this far, uh, thanks. <laughs> Thank you for your patience. Apologies for rambling on. And I will just end by mentioning the annoying stuff that no one really likes to talk about, which is funding. So the same Patreon that I ask people to donate uh, on for the Friday's Times, it's the same Patreon for all of the other projects. So I made this much simpler. There might be a separate fundraising for Ecolaire because I'm working on it with a friend, but we haven't really decided on the technicalities of that yet if you're listening to this and you have some experience in fundraising please get in touch it it probably will help and if you're super rich please get in touch even faster the patreon is still uh, patreon.com slash fire these times and you can also donate on buy me a coffee or on paypal directly to find the details of all of that you can just go on hamas photod or on the fire these times there will be a support button and you know that's how you, you you find the information that you need i really insist on asking anyone who just has some savings to donate only $1 a month on Patreon. If you can donate more than that, of course, I would be very grateful, but that's what I'm aiming for because I'm really aiming to have uh, just a lot of people, hundreds, maybe thousands, if I if I can't, if I can be optimistic about this, uh, donating $1 a month and you know, you can do the maths and that would be enough. That would allow me to then invest in projects and expand things and everything I'm doing from this, I really do intend on putting it back out there, uh, put it back on the internet. So the donations that will come through will help me fund skills or like class, <laughs> fund me to afford to take classes on and to develop some skills that would, for example, go into uh, video editing, right? This will then translate itself into a channel on YouTube or on other platforms, whatever, uh, to expand or to allow me to go into deep dives into some topics that, again, are not often explored. So if you have some passion for under-discovered, under-explored <laughs> topics, I think, I hope, that I will be able to show that this will be a worthy investment, basically. That's kind of the goal. I have a two years plan, is what I'm trying to get at. Um, so until mid-2022, I'm trying to get the monthly donations to go up to a few thousands. Because if I manage to do that, I will be able to pretty much do this full-time. And I will be very transparent. I'm very transparent about where the money goes right now the money just goes to the podcast (laughs) it's very simple very straightforward it's 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 a modest amount of money it's 160 dollars or something per month is what i'm making so far uh and i'm honestly very grateful for every dollar i'm just being i'm just trying to be real with you in order to sustain this long term i would probably have to try and get it up significantly and this will again uh this will not just go to like helping me pay rent and stuff but but you know pay translators pay subtitlers even uh pay uh so when we get to the video format pay illustrators to make what you're reading uh just more pleasant to read to be honest which is important and the translators will i would focus first on arabic so english and arabic will be the two primary languages on these projects but i'm not stopping at english and arabic and that's something that i also tend to forget to explain because i'm shit at it on hummus for thought for example occasionally when they manage to if someone is able to translate for example i will accept whichever language it is if i'm interviewing people on lebanon it would be quite nice to have these interviews translated into amharic or tagalog or tamil you know many of the languages are 
of migrants in Lebanon, we don't often think of translating things related to Lebanon into these languages. Armenian, you know, uh, Syriac. Hebrew may be controversial to some people listening, but I think there's some value in doing that as well. Uh, Persian, Turkish, Sorani and Kurmanji. Italian, Spanish, these are all languages that are available in my networks, but I can't really rely on the goodwill of people to just translate these things on a regular basis. Okay, I'm going to shut up now. The fire these times will continue. Take care, stay safe out there. Wear a fucking mask, please. Defeat fascism everywhere. Anyway, take care.